0: It's a podcast, hello and welcome to Chaos Effect History. I'm your faithful host, McLean Hirschfield. With me, as always, is my good friend.
1: Hello, it's me, Tyler,
0: again. (laughs) And today our special guest joining us is...
2: Alessandra Varan, what's up? Welcome.
1: Tyler. Temporarily.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be here.
0: Last four years, what would you say was the biggest constant of the last four years?
1: pain (laughs) (laughs)
0: how about a person that never shut up well who would be that person that we seem to never be able to avoid
1: that would be mr donald john trump which has caused me a lot of pain
0: (laughs) so today is not gonna be a normal episode normally we have a script and we talk about tyler and i and our guests all just got back to college i had a busy week because of that um so I didn't have time to write a script for my episode. So instead today we're doing a bit more of a free form episode. We're reflecting on the last four years of Donald Trump because he's pres- history now. Um,
2: Hopefully he stays in history.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I, I wanted to start off. What does everybody remember about when Donald Trump was running for president before he was president?
2: I remember exactly where I was when I found out he was running. Um, I was, you know, in the car on the way home from school and I heard it on the radio. And We were all like, wow, that's pretty ridiculous. Can you believe that? You know, the celebrity apprentice guy is running for president.
1: Man, first Home Alone 2 actor. <laughs> <laughs> <Robert> <laughs> president. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember what, what it was like when he first announced it. But I do remember his stiff competition with one Hillary Clinton, and uh, I was, admittedly, uh, I I wasn't I wasn't like a Trump supporter, but I was a Trump sympathizer, you know, uh, where I'm like, um, I don't love him, but like, man, Hillary Clinton really freaking sucks doesn't she and how how bad could it possibly be and it was also um you know it was 2016-2015 in the phase of the internet where it's just like everyone is just like anti-sjw anti-this anti-this like ah, uh-huh, triggered whatever so i was all into the memes like how oh the them liberals are gonna be real mad about this one um, i
0: relate to that a lot i was fascist adjacent up until 2016, 2015, I had gone through a really bad rough patch in high school that like drove me to this really dark place. It's funny how you tend to go right wing if you have nihilism and hatred towards everybody around you. Yeah. Um, and then as I was coming back, I was just like, okay, Democrats are cool. Obama's cool. You know, I'm just going to be a simple lib now. Um, and then... I didn't know who Donald Trump was. I don't watch a lot of, like, reality TV. So I'm like, who the hell is Donald Trump? And it's just like, oh, he's just a weird guy. Okay, he's not going to be president. And then he starts kicking everybody's ass. in the numbers, Ted Cruz, whoever the hell else he ran against. Yeah, ben Carson, Marco
2: Rubio, John Kasich.
0: Yeah, all of uh, them. Jeb Bush.
2: Oh, my gosh. Jeb, yeah. yeah. I remember it initially everyone was like, yeah, Jeb Bush is going to be the nominee. And that very quickly faded, obviously. Um, I mean, conversely to what you guys were saying, I've always been, you know, very, very liberal, um, very far left. And so at the time I was a, a Bernie Sanders supporter. I didn't like Hillary Clinton. I still don't like Hillary Clinton. Um, but when Donald Trump, you know, entered the race it I was kind of like everyone else at first of like, okay, like this will blow over whatever. It's just a guy and the Republicans have like eight candidates up there. Who cares? You know, and I would always watch their debates just because I felt like it was important to be informed about what the other side was saying. Um, But it soon became very clear that Donald Trump aside, none of those candidates were really talking about what I would call Traditional Republican platform values. They were all quite extreme. And that extreme rhetoric was very much plowed over by Donald Trump, who completely changed the game with the way that he approached the situation. I would call John Kasich really the only true Republican who was ever on that debate stage yeah um in that election and he was pulling the lowest out of everybody i mean other than donald trump the the hope was ted cruz which is the most depressing thing that's ever come out of my mouth
1: yeah uh uh, john john Kasich was uh who uh my fam was rooting for at the time and then we got trump and like this is ridiculous but how funny orange man isn't he
2: yeah, I heard that from from so many people in high school. I, I only knew one or two girls that I was friends with who were interested in in Donald Trump's candidacy. But the guys that I was friends with, I would ask them and be like, what is it about this guy? And it was always, well, he's a businessman. Like, he'll run the country like a business. And it was, he's so funny. Like, uh, Like, obviously high schoolers can't vote. But the idea that it was like, people were voting for this guy because they thought he was funny and it's like oh imagine four years of this like it'll just be so entertaining and now four years later we're all like on one percent battery yeah. you know yeah Cause, cause I, right.
1: at the time i'm like how like all right he's an idiot but like how badly can he fuck it up we have a system of checks and balances if he tries to do some stupid shit they can stop. so i
0: started paying him more attention so what do you think is the most me way i would be introduced to a person like this being completely non-political it's the dumbest way to learn about a, a politician running for something or anything going on in politics
2: i don't know like i funny
0: saturday night live <laughs> <laughs> you know that makes sense
2: alec baldwin baby
0: so and that was before the alec baldwin was the regular guy that was like when they were testing who it should be and um At the time, I also was really getting into the idea of anarchism, like not I was because I had gone from like right wing libertarianist survivalist to anarchy, like left wing anarchism. Um, And like, there's a lot of crossover between uh, anarcho-capitalist and anarcho-leftist. So there's like some mutuality, but I didn't get why so many people who were libertarian were for Trump when I started to hear more about him because he was outwardly authoritarian in his things. He wasn't really promising business. He was a promising like complete authoritarianism. And then I think at this point we could talk about like, yeah, we never thought it happen. I think there was a moment where I started to believe he could be president. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment at school. I go to school in Pennsylvania. We are all north of the Mason-Dixie line. Um, and I just remember driving with my dad and seeing a lot of Trump signs, a lot of Confederate flags, stuff like that. And it felt weird. And like, I just thought, well, maybe it's because I'm more I live in a more rural area. But I remember I was going to visit my girlfriend at the time who did not live in a rural area. And this auto mechanic shop near her had put up a Trump billboard. Like something that's not coming down in a long time. And to me, I'm like seeing, well, this kind of areas has people that hardcore. I imagine that's, it's not just the rural areas then, is it? And that was to me the first time I thought, yeah, he could win this. And then he won. So does everybody remember him winning?
1: Oh my God. I, I specifically remember that. And I was... At the time, I was just like, "Dude, this is fucking hilarious." I can't wait to shit on the libs later. They're like absolutely crying because I know how much like they expected Hillary Clinton to win. Because like it it was really a curveball for everybody. Like unless you're like an ardent Trump supporter, like where you just like don't even listen to facts. Like it was the writing on the wall was almost was clear for everybody that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Like the polls were were in her favor. Everybody was. (laughs) um knew that Donald Trump was a fucking loser so like when that happened and I'm like I'm looking at these stadiums that are filled with like celebration gear and everybody ready to like have a party and then like just seeing the utter shock in their faces I was like yo this is fucking hilarious
2: (laughs) yeah I had um a couple of months prior to Donald Trump being the nominee, um, I remember talking to my dad about it because things were not looking good. Um, it was pretty much at that point between him and Ted Cruz of like, all right, is Ted Cruz gonna like save the Republican party? Which those words coming out of my mouth. Oh my <laughs> <God>. um,
0: <laughs> That reminds remind me to tell something I learned recently about what Lindsey Graham said about Ted Cruz once yeah. after you're done. <laughs>
2: um so I remember talking to my dad and being like honestly I think Donald Trump has a really good shot of being the nominee and my dad was like it would never be him it would never be him and my father's side of the family are liberal Jews versus my mom is liberal but a lot of her side of the family is um more conservative they live in um New Hampshire um like middle class that like a middle class Republican that's where her family comes from so to hear this from my dad of being like he'll never he'll never be the nominee I was like like you should, you should know. Um, and then lo and behold, it, election day comes and I was going for a walk with my best friend, one of my best friends at the time, who similar to you, what you were saying, Tyler, was um, much further right at the time due to certain like internet wormholes. He's now a, a very uh, starch, uh, stark leftist. But at the time he was like, if I could vote, I'd vote for Donald Trump. And then we we were going for a walk and and he was like, what if Donald Trump wins? And I was like, ugh, don't even say that. And he was like, I know it will never happen, but like, can you imagine? And I was like, ugh, I don't want to. And that night, um, the two of us and a couple of other friends were were at our friend's house. We were playing Jackbox at the beginning of the night, um, waiting for the numbers to start coming in. Then we start watching the electoral map. And I would say five of us there were like banking on Hillary Clinton. And then there was my friend who was pro-Trump. And then I had two friends who weren't really involved, but like if they had to choose, probably would have chosen Donald Trump. And things start to look worse. And like the room just starts getting quieter. And it gets to this point, like at a certain time of the night where I was like, I just want to go home. Like, can can we just go home? I can't watch this anymore. And by the time I get home, it's like, pretty it's pretty certain that Donald Trump has won the election and I remember just going into my room and just crying and that's like exactly like what you were saying like oh like snowflake tears whatever but I wasn't crying because like my team lost I was crying because like as you know a Jewish LGBT woman like I just felt like so much of the country including people that I'm related to like very close relatives just did not care enough about me to choose an option that was less appealing to them. And so that was really defeating. And I remember just being really scared of what was going to happen because so much of the the rhetoric that was being used in his campaign was so harmful to to so many people, not just you know, people like me to to disabled people, to people of color, you know, to um, Muslims and, you know, immigrants and all of these groups of people that I was like, if I'm scared, if I'm this upset, I cannot imagine what these people are going through. And that was a lot of, you know, where the emotion I was feeling that night came from.
0: Um, You know, so Tyler and I, I was part of the really dark side of the right-wing internet like when that was starting to become like 2014 2015 and i i left cuz i realized how bad it was getting and what part of what made me leave is i my experience at school i was not having a good time i was made fun of bullied and I had taken out my anger on my bullies and I just made generalizations to people about that. But eventually I was being led in by people who you know, were LGBTQ and I was sitting down with them. I'm like, I don't have problems with these people at all. But the problem was I was in these chat rooms where these people would feed in. And then when Donald Trump ran, I just said, oh, he's doing what those guys in the chat room did. He's finding these people and he's making them think he's fighting for them. And that they're some part of special order and I remember when he got elected, I my friend and I were hanging out because we were always at school early, and he was just, like, sh- sh- shaking, angry. Like, he wasn't even sad. He was just angry. And I said – because at first I'm like, well, you know, he's just the president. He can't be bad. And he's like he – said, I asked him what's going on. He's like, I'm just pissed about it. I said, well, he's just the president. I mean, he doesn't have as much power as we think he does. And then he said, you don't get it, though. It's not just because he's president. Because he's pressed now. Every motherfucker, my, I should preface this, he's Puerto Rican. Every is gonna think it's okay to say the shit that he's been saying to me now. To anybody. They're gonna say it to all of us. They're gonna make the fun of us. They're gonna be fucking racist out of the, the gate. You know? It's not, you know, and I, I got and that was the first I realized that it's not just the policy that was affecting people. It's Trump was beyond. The president. It became a movement. It became a style. And I started seeing this. I went to a very small school. My graduating class was thirty-eight. Oh wow! And a lot of the people who went to my school were upper class. I I was on the lower epsilon of that tier, and I am by far uh, like upper middle class and. I noticed that it was always the, the people who, you know, cause I, at the time I was more of a liberal, I was just liberal, probably libertarian anarchist. So I'm like, okay, well, they know what they're doing with their money, everybody. And, but, and so there must be smart people if they have money, but they're like, oh, I realized they have their money because they're okay with this evil ideology of power. Cons-. And this is kind of what radicalized me is I was seeing how power was being used to consolidate money to these people. Um, and that's, that was something that I started to realize is that this was a movement beyond. And I remember the time in the internet, like these terms that we all know, like proud boys, you know, alt-right, um, boogaloo boys. I had remember that year, those terms starting the pop-up Gavin McGinnis creating the proud boys, the Pepe meme became a symbol of Trump and the alt-right. Um, and the, the,
2: the previous perfection symbol became white power.
0: So it's this symbol, I'm, it's the okay symbol. This is what we used to say okay in diving, because this means up, this means down. So we use this as okay. My dad and I would do that all the time. We don't do that anymore because we're both scuba divers, but if you do that above water, everybody assumes you're a racist now. And I yeah. hate that. Yeah.
2: The, the people who play a circle game yeah,
0: the Boogaloo Boys uh, popped up, and that was another thing. And it was kind of, it was almost if the, it, it was just a very weird experience. And I think, you know, in we had Obama stick around, and then 2017 came, he was made president, and this, I mean, the Muslim ban was the first thing he put in place. Yeah. That was his first priority. That was January twenty seventh.
2: Yeah i um, I looked it up to to watch what he had said about it at the time, and the quote Donald Trump said this. He said Donald J Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. That there is a video of that. That is what he said. So all the people who are talking like, oh no, it's it's these you know threats and stuff like no, it's it was openly xenophobic and that's why right. the the first two proposals were struck down by federal courts but you know of course June 2018 the third one was the Supreme Court said it was cool and until Biden it it was there and it originated as a list of seven and ended as a list of 13 because um, they added six more in sometime in 2020 I don't quite remember when um
0: and Islamophobia was very, very, very big at the time.
2: I it mean, has like, been since 9-11. You know, it's been since, since
0: 9-11. But I, it feels like at that time there was a spike, more so than there is now even. I mm-hmm. think now it feels like the race and pendulum shifts depending on what's the biggest concern to the right wing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now now
1: for, that like, ISIS is like kind of gone, nobody really is thinking about the Muslims anymore. But I just, Yeah,
2: like, exactly. It's black like Lines which... Blew
1: up, so now we're going to talk about the black people.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like which... Which group of people of color is the quote-unquote biggest problem for the right wing right now? Because and at the what, time it was the Muslims, and right now it's, it's Black people. And it always, it always, you know, in recent times has alternated between the two. Um, and oh, you have, um, you know, Latin Americans thrown in when it's convenient. And that's, that's really what it is. It's like, who can we blame right now? Who is the easiest to blame? Yeah. And
0: Latin Americans is really A very uh, I have had a lot, a lot of friends who are Latin American um, You know, one of my best friends Is Puerto Rican, not Latin American But he's considered a Latino He's And he, I just I remember, like, I think he once Put it, it's like, the thing is When they look at a black person They hate a black person When they look at a Mexican Or a Hispanic person They pity them And they don't see us as a threat. They just see us as lesser all around. We're, he said like they see us as disposable labor and that's why people make jokes about us being gardeners because they see us as, as I think he's put it, they see us as like the new slave.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's so I think pervasive this idea that people who are from anywhere that isn't America are lesser particularly people of color of course because you know white people you know coming from Europe particularly Western Europe and people in Canada and whatever it's like kind of white people in America see it as cut from the same cloth so it's like oh you know like my my great-great grandmother came from Sweden like the Swedes aren't a problem but like oh you know have you ever heard of Pablo Escobar like you know those Latinos like and and that's the um the kind of idea that's promoted. And it's amazing to me that Donald Trump was able to slip in so much disrespect to Western nations during his presidency. He called Trudeau dishonest, Macron foolish, um, Turnbull the worst call he's had by far when he was making, you know, phone calls to different nations. Like he has not pulled punches from Western countries.
1: Didn't, didn't but realize- when it comes
2: to when it comes to attacking the people of a country, he reserves that for countries that, you know, in America we we would refer to as minorities.
0: Um, or countries we'd refer to third world, even though I think uh, third yeah. world is the most derogatory, um, derogatory term, in my opinion, to give a country that, when you are vastly responsible for the conditions of said country. Yeah. Um, We, you know, talking about a thing, especially regarding Islamophobia, this is also, I'm trying to coincide what's going on outside of just him being president. This is when in Portland, Oregon, you'd see uh, a man was stabbed trying to defend two Muslim girls from a guy who was assaulting them. They would hear stories over and over again about people just berating us, attacking Muslim people. And then you just get from the right wing these more and more infuriating, um, outlandish stories of stuff. And the one thing that I, I always find very interesting is uh, I, I'm going to preface this: I'm an I'm an agnostic. I don't have any general belief in religion. I observe religions with a imp, I'm impartial to them. But anytime I hear criticism of Muslim culture it is something that the conservative agenda regarding Christianity has tried to put forward you know oh, over there they punish women for losing their virginity isn't that like they've been the one of the big movements of the christian movement they and you know it's like oh well if you were gay over there they would kill you and like if i like if you're gay over here there's a strong chance you get killed
2: yeah i mean we think about i mean it's 2020 now i was going to say 20 years ago Um, over 20 years ago, just a bit, you know, Matthew Shepard was beaten to death because he was gay. And, you know, you go back to even the 70s where most people who were alive in the 70s are alive now. Um, You know, you have people like Marsha P. Johnson who, you know, was drowned, pushed over a bridge because she was trans. Like this, people have been killed for being gay, not by the government. But by the people, which, you know, is as bad in the sense that the lack of safety is still there and less so now, but in the in the 20th century, the government didn't care. They did not care that that LGBT people were being Um, persecuted by other citizens. I mean, you look at Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan all but ignored AIDS because yeah, let the gays die, who cares? Even
0: though Roy Cohn, who was on his group, was a pretty much outly gay man. And, you know, quick story on Roy Cohn, bastard in life. Even though he died of AIDS and and people wanted to, you know, condemn him because he was a traitor to anybody who was gay. Probably the one of the most badass things the LGBTQ plus community ever did was include his name on the AIDS quilt with just three words, which was, I believe, uh, "victim, coward, bully." And it's just, I, I hope that's the type of legacy. Like my biggest fear is Trump is going to have the same kind of uh, rehabilitation that the Bushes had.
2: I mean, I think a, a large part of the Bush rehabilitation is owed to how horrible Donald Trump is. I mean, when when both um, former President Bush's were alive, um, I remember when it was like the five living presidents, you know, Carter, Bush, Bush, Clinton and Obama all came together during the campaign and said, I'm with her. Don't elect Donald Trump. He doesn't have what it takes. Right. And, you know, this year it was the same. For Joe Biden, though less of a, a statement, because it was a lot clearer, I think, to a lot of people that Donald Trump was unfit for the role. But I remember, um, you know, as a person who has disdain for all of those people, except really Jimmy Carter, I think Jimmy Carter was a great man who just wasn't very good at foreign policy. And it. it you know, it bit him. He wasn't very good at the job of being president, but he's a good person.
0: Jimmy Carter um, is a man who spent the later part of his life building houses for those in need. Yeah,
2: Jimmy Carter is, is amazing. Yeah.
0: Which I um, believe his, is the only his, thing you should his, be allowed had- to do after you run for
2: president. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but like his, I, his, I can't after stand after the bushes.
0: He's yeah, I can't,
2: I can't stand the bushes. I can't stand Bill Clinton. At the time I was an Obama fan. I have since um you know straight away from the the obama loyalist path i'm not you know very happy with him um i sound like a grandmother i'm not happy with
1: him i'm I'm mixed on obama um i
2: yeah i have respect for him um and some of the things that he did but i overall have the negative view of him in the presidency um that said, at the time, I was like, wow, like, look at this, you know, across the aisle, everyone is coming together and they're saying not this guy shouldn't, like, Republicans, shouldn't that speak to you? Um, and of course, the answer to that question is, no, it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, it doesn't, even if it should. Um, so
1: Donald Trump but, made it okay to be outwardly racist and people just want to be outwardly racist. Yeah, yeah I and I
2: mean, like, I, like, it has, like, not glorified but i think resulted in the romanticism of the bush presidency for you know textbook republicans who are or i would say like platform republicans and not like you know overall conservatives like people the people who you know align more with the ideas of Kasich, mccain bush um Romney, people like that who were Lincoln
0: Project Republicans.
2: Yeah, exactly, Lincoln Project Republicans.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of Lincoln Project, let's. I want to talk about like a lot of the media grifts that started popping up because like that's the thing I correlate the most is you had Ben Shapiro swearing that Donald Trump doesn't represent the Republican Party and he'd never vote from him, then going to defend every single decision Donald Trump would ever make. You had. Dave Rubin, who used to be part of the Young Turks, which is a left-wing, left-leaning news network, then leaving and claiming that the left wing lies, and he's a classical liberal, and that's why he's for Donald Trump. You've had Jordan Peterson, who's led this crusade of Nazi apologism, um, and you know, not that bad about the Civil War and Holocaust, which is anytime anybody denies the Holocaust, I believe you should get a right to punch that person in the face as hard as possible and do terrible things to them. <laughs> because, I mean, I an outstanding know, number of people like died. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> an outstanding number of people died.
2: Yeah, I mean, as a am- person am- of, of Jewish descent, like I, I remember it dawned on me when I was quite young the difference in size between my dad's side of the family gatherings and my mom's side. My mom's side is Germans and Italians. There's a ton of them. My dad's side, it's pretty much, I have two immediate cousins. There's my grandparents, my aunt and uncle. um, And then there's, you know, distant family that I don't really know. And it, it one day it dawned on me. It's like, oh, right. The people who would have been responsible for the continuation of family lineage were murdered. by the government like
0: i'm i'm part jewish and i'm very removed from the holocaust so my family was jewish uh was in america before that and they kept it a secret they were jewish because america's just as anti-semitic as any other country was at the time oh yeah
2: america's extremely anti-semitic um
0: my i believe uh to be born in a hospital my grandfather's mother lied about her heritage so um and also just I am somebody, I have a family of, I come from a line of people who fought in World War II and they were all heroes. Like they were the guys who stormed Normandy, dropped the bombs over Germany and fought in the Pacific. They were heroes as far. And then when people, so we're gonna talk about Charlottesville now. When people were marching on America with the swastika, the ultimate symbol of evil in any textbook, in any context, and Donald Trump came out and said, "Well, there were good people on both sides.
2: Very fine people. Yep. That, that people.
0: was that was the moment where I decided that you cannot reason with the right because Trump was inevitable. Like, at, I I try to justify that there are good right wingers, but at now it seems like he was in the inevitable lead up to what they had allowed in their party for so long. You
2: yeah. know." I mean, you, you account for, you know, you can, you can say, I'll bet I think that it's a dumb point. Dumb is an understatement. Oh, like people carrying Confederate flags. Like they're just, you know, like ignorant. Like they think that's their history because they're from the South and, you know, people carrying Nazi flags, like they're just being edgy, but you take it a step further and remember that they were carrying torches and shouting Jews will not replace us and those in the eyes of the president are very fine people and that's disgusting like there is like watching that like it it like scares me all over again I I saw Black Klansman and Spike Lee's 2018 film for the first time earlier this year for a report I was writing and he plays um clips from that from the Charlottesville uh, terrorist I would call it a, a terrorist attack um, and just watching it like I was holding back tears because it is terrifying not I'm, just that that's happening here but how many people are part of that
0: I remember watching the clips from after Black and I had to do night check by night I'm pretty sure I was doing it by myself night checks when we go out and take care of the horses I just got so angry that I picked up a bale of hay and chucked it maybe 12 feet down the barn. I'm not a very strong person, but I was just so angry.
2: It was very rural of you.
0: Um, you yeah, ever being so mad you just chuck a hay bale? Um, and I just remember being like angry and tears about seeing that and reminding me. And I'm still getting like, I'm getting worked up right now thinking about it. And I get part of it's guilt for me. I'm not, I, I am passing for whatever the most ultra conservative standard is. I The only thing is I don't have blonde hair, blue eyes. I am a kind of tall, very generic looking white dude. And knowing that that's easy for me, just something about that bothers me. I, the why it's not, it's, to me, it should be easy for everybody. And it makes me incredibly angry. I feel guilty that, you know, there's that saying or there's that thing like, oh, people are just, you know, are just choosing to be on the side of these things because of white guilt. Yeah, you should feel white guilt when you see horrible things happening to the people. And, you know, it's because of other people that look like you and how and 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 thinking about how, like, you know, I read through t- uh, history and I was talking about this Tyler on our last episode that this is the face of evil for the last hundreds and hundreds of years. But this really is. This is the face that ended civilizations that white people... And it's infuriating that then you have people defending the South in the Civil War, defending Germany, doing this. I mean, it's... And at the same time, you had this president who they turned into a demagogue of that ideology.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing is, is like with regard to white guilt, I think it's just important. And I know... I've talked to quite a few people especially since coming to college because of course Quinnipiac is so vastly majority white um that some of so many of the conversations I've had have kind of veered in that direction and what I always tell people is that like of course you know like it's not about you which you know of course you know um and that that bad feeling that you have, it needs to turn into a feeling of responsibility. Like, forget feeling bad, feel responsible to make up for the actions of your ancestors. Mm -hmm. You know, and of course, like, I have, you know, my minority check marks, whatever, I'm bi, I'm Jewish, I'm, you know, all these things. But at the end of the day, like, I have, you know, a duty as a white person, as a white woman, to make up for what the people who came before me did to people of color to you know people of of other religions who have been oppressed here and everywhere it's and and every person should have that responsibility every person should feel responsible for each other and that that's something that the united states very much lacks i mean tying it back to donald trump you know john mccain was the only one you know standing between um the Republican Party and the repeal of Obamacare. If it wasn't for him, it would have been gone. Um, yeah, and that's and it, that's with with healthcare. And you 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 look at Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and the squad who are all like, yes, give everyone healthcare, please. Um, yeah. the the other countries that have universal healthcare or variations on the proposed um, U.S. plans of universal healthcare. All of those people um, look at it like that's called taking care of your neighbor. Like we're all responsible for each other. Whereas the United States is a very competitive atmosphere in every way. I mean, even the concept of the American dream is competitive. You want to be the best. You want to rise above everyone else. You want your white picket fence and fuck whoever you have to step on along the way to get there because you'll be fine. I mean, that's, that's where it is with, you know, the tax cuts Donald Trump presented early in his. Um, presidency that you know benefited rich people vastly it's like yeah you guys you guys will help me so i'll help you but all of you poor people who are gonna vote for me even if i stood in the middle of fifth avenue and shot somebody i don't need to do anything for you because you'll vote for me anyway and beyond a vote you are useless to me
1: yeah it was um it was it was around Charlottesville where I realized like I've heard that quote before and I'm just like no there's no way people are gonna be that dumb but it was around it was around Charlottesville where like it were hit me like oh shit that tr- that quote is absolutely true um, yeah I mean
2: you look at coronavirus he didn't stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody but. He sat in the Oval Office while hundreds of thousands of people died and right. just waited a for it. A civil
0: war's worth of people have almost died. Uh, and- literally.
2: And <laughs> the the thing that he said, he said, it's going to disappear one day like a miracle. It will disappear. No, it won't. And I think that that's the, the attitude that Donald Trump has had throughout his entire presidency and arguably through his entire life. If you look at his business practices and things like that, if you can't fire the problem, just wait and it will go away. It's so, like, are you in third grade? Do you think there's a monster under your bed? If you cover your head with the blanket, it'll go away by the by the time the sun rises? No, like you're running a country. People are dying. And three months ago, you defunded the organization that is supposed to find these things and alert you. It's
1: ridiculous. of classic economics, where he's just like, just wait and the economy will fix itself. Well, no, when you're like, like back into the Great Depression, that's when like, that's what like Herbert Hoover's economic advisors were telling him to do. And he's just like, yeah, sure, I guess that makes sense. But obviously that didn't work out. <laughs>
2: yeah. And it's one of those things where like, if the economy is just not doing well, like that happens, the economy is very elusive. It ebbs and flows and it will always ebb and flow. And we will always hit really good highs and and kind of shitty lows that, you know, aren't you know, necessarily detrimental, um, particularly when we're, you know, living under a capitalist system, like capitalism is built to do this every so often, you know, depressions and recessions and and whatnot. But the thing of it is, is when you are trying to fix a problem, looking at it economically is the issue. He should Herbert Hoover should not have been looking at the Great Depression like, ah, the economy's bad. He should have been looking at it as people are suffering. How do we help people despite the shitty economy and by extension, you know, fix the economy? And with Donald Trump, the concern with him wasn't people are sick. It was the economy's bad, because before that, I think, according to a Gallup poll, 68 percent of Americans who were polled were satisfied with the economy like uh, unemployment in february was at a 50 year low like and that's right. that is an effect of the way that Donald Trump's presidency went you look at 2017 2018 that is attributed to Barack Obama's presidency just like um, the and- what what Obama walked into in 2008 can be attributed to to George Bush but 2019 2020 yeah that's Trump's economy and Obama's
0: presidency was he was given a recession, which was probably, you know, the closest we'll get to it, de- like the Great Depression. It was a bad recession. It wasn't yeah. that bad, but it was bad. It
2: was really, and no, I remember my dad got laid off during that. It was really hard.
0: And yeah, I mean, I I was in a bit more luxury, but I do remember there were I was so I was young at the time. But there were those moments where work kind of slowed. My dad's a contractor, so work kind of slowed down for him. And just you, you had those memories of things were like getting different. You didn't under I didn't understand what was going on at the time. I was like eight, two thousand eight. Yeah. And then by ten, we were recovering and all kind of starting to recover. But
2: yeah, I mean, it know, just and spread- I, I want to
0: clarify. I probably didn't word what I was saying because I was getting angry. What I was saying about white guilt was is. I, I agree with you. We have to use our position, and it, to me, it's getting angry with people for not who are like me and probably come from a similar background for not understanding why that because of who they are, they have an automatic privilege in life or in this country at least. And you can And it's true there are p- p- white people who are disenfranchised in this country but there are privileges that you have as a white, as a white man in this country, you are, there are a lot of privileges you have that a lot of other people don't. And that, I guess I was trying to say that I want to clarify that because I could realize I was getting angry talking over myself, but Trump's, Trump's plan of ultra capitalism mixed with fascism was something and trump is a fascist uh, there there will be it's not getting around it it's, yeah no,
2: it's it's there'll
0: be um actually libs and republicans you're like a fascist you do not have to have a swastika to be a fascist you don't have yeah. to have um, there were
2: fascists before hitler there have been fascists since and there will be fascists the
1: the thing with um donald trump in the hitler comparison is that like how dare you comp- compare uh, Donald Trump to Hitler? Hitler was so awful and he killed millions of people. But um, we're not comparing Hitler to World. We're not t- comparing Donald Trump to Hitler and to World War II Hitler. We're talking about pre World War II "Make Germany Great Again" Hitler. Where, where Donald Trump's rise to power very much uh, matches. Yeah, Hitler's they're rise they're to power. mirrors
2: of each other. History. <laughs> doesn't entirely repeat itself but it does rhyme and I think that's one thing that people miss is that they're like oh well it's not exactly the same so actually but it's like no you have to look at this from a perspective that isn't linear and that's I remember talking to my freshman sophomore year roommate about history and and she was talking about how she was like I wish you know we didn't always have to look at you know everything you know take everything into context and I was like no you have to That's because <laughs> everything now is the result of everything then so as much as you can wish it was linear it's not everything has been happening at the same time all over the world and it's stressful and it's confusing but it's the facts
1: one of the things um it's like uh, you can't you can't compare um, the detention centers at the border to concentration camps because concentration camps were so much worse. But, no, they
0: were death death like I, I'm gonna talk. So death camps that is yeah. the Totenkopf that is what they were in Germany. They were called concentration camps because yes they were concentrations of minorities. That's also what's going on in the border. That's what we did with the Japanese. That's what we did with the Philippines. And we actually kind of perfected how concentration camps work before Germany did.
2: Yeah, Germany looked really at us. Germany looked at us for examples. Germany saw right.
0: how we kind of made the Native American, Tyler and I talked about this. There's a period in American textbooks where Native Americans exist, then you have a gap, and then suddenly they don't exist as much anymore. Right. We kind of successfully genocided an entire culture of people.
2: Yeah, the the greatest, if not one of the Top five in history, most successfully executed, no pun intended, genocides is that of the indigenous people in North America and by the Europeans.
0: This could be a whole episode on its own, and I'm acknowledging that, but it's just it needs to be noted that when you had things like the standoff of those young Republican dipshits with the native people, and you had this old man. It had to be the greatest symbol of what was going on in this country. This old man who's a little tr- playing the song, a legacy of culture, that's been fighting against this oppressive system for centuries now. And then you have these dipshit, smiling teenagers yelling, build the wall. Because build the, at that point, build the wall, it became clear that it wasn't about securing the border, securing oh, the no. nation. Yeah. It was a cry of... It was us versus this them. is our country. This, we want this to be a white nation. That's what it became. Yeah. It, white nationalism became a huge part of the Trump ticket. And, you know, we're going to start rolling forward, but like, flash forward to the Proud Boys at DC. And one of the many things was that they. At one point, Proud Boys did, say, have a few token minorities in. And then suddenly a lot of them disappeared and they just went full force. Like, yeah, no, we're for this. Uh, you know, the West is best. Uh, you know, this is a white nation. Yeah, And yeah. that is, that was just, it pr- progressively went mask off as he went on.
2: Yeah, mask but, off in a lot of ways, huh? <laughs>
0: yeah. So let's start on the, I think, What's the part of the presidency that's going to be most important? Because we could talk about these minor things, the Kofefe, his standoff in North Korea, Fire and Fury. Sharpie. (laughs) But 2020 is when things started to go downhill. And I want to take this back to a moment between me and Tyler. Tyler texted me, are we going to have a third world war? Me, what are you talking about? Then I look at Twitter. Oh, fuck, we're going to have a third world war. (laughs) because before coronavirus, before everything got incredibly terrible, this was January 3rd, the president assassinated the general of a country we are not at war with, Iran, which then led to one of the largest political, um, not political, but like most cold, cold world, Cold War speed run where Russia said, okay, well, we'll back the uh, Iranians. Then China said they would back the Iranians. And then everybody in the EU was picking apart who they'd side with or if they were gonna be neutral. And Britain, of course, it's like,
2: America's doing it, we'll do it. Yeah, um, literally. Cut from the same cloth, us too. Yeah,
0: quite literally. Um, and I had this moment of, is this the war my generation dies in, except this time we're the fascist bastards?
2: yeah and i mean say what you want about iran and what iran does wrong in that situation the united states of america was in the wrong we have no right and very rarely in all of history have we ever had the right to meddle in such a way in the affairs of other nations and it is something that we continuously do and of course as an American and as a human being, I don't want there to be a war. I don't think there should be any wars anywhere ever. Um, And of course I don't want, you know, my friends, my family and, and, you know, whomsoever to fall victim to, you know the workings of a selfish government which is always what happens in wars. But I could not as a person with eyes and ears and a brain say that the war was not our fault if it did happen and that, that right. we were not in the wrong because I, plain and simple they had every right to go to war the, with us
0: what we yeah. did is literally the reason world war one started i mean that's or yeah you know, I mean, the, or, or world war ii it's oh, the japanese yeah. attacking that's we we did that essentially and yeah and, you know, and
2: the assassination and, and, of a leader in in the past it could have been the only thing but you look at it, and it's always the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, if you look at the the things that we have been doing with Iran over the last four or five years, we withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. We accuse them of, you know, keeping their their blueprints and and stockpiling uranium and continuing to develop. Weapons when they're not supposed to we you know we do all of these things that are just putting more straws on this camel's back, and then you assassinate a leader, what do you think is going to happen? and to be honest, I would not be surprised in the slightest if it was intentional if if the goal was to start an armed conflict to justify the the military budget that has been you know highly contested because wartime presidents have very good luck in elections. And I'm not saying that this is what Donald Trump did. I'm saying simply that I would not be at all it's surprised to find likely. that that was what was going well, think on.
0: Think about this, none of, us, none of us know a war, a world where there hasn't been constantly some war going on. Yeah, I mean, so, maybe there was a brief year or two where we were alive. And then after 9-11, no, we've been, yeah. there have always been troops. And it's a 1984, quote, this war wasn't meant to be won.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: It is a, you know, there is a reason that the draft isn't a thing, but there's such thing as a poverty draft, which is when people are so poor in your country, they're forced to do things. I listen to a lot of leftist podcasts and the same story comes from a lot of them. And it's leftist veterans lines up by Donk. You see the host, he grew up poor, joined the military so he could move forward in life and he went through terrible terrible things in the military not just from the horrors of war but from the horrors of the how much this country doesn't care about you
2: oh yeah no country the country does not care about veterans specifically they don't care about poor people most of that is a collaboration and this is why and this is a completely different conversation it could be its own podcast but i'm gonna i'm gonna say the the hot take anyway is that a lot of people you know we are talking like ACAB and and all of this anti-police stuff. Um, They say, you know, ACAB includes the military and to an extent that's a completely fair statement. But I think that it's incredibly important to remember that I would argue most of the people in the military are there because they don't have another option. That's not the job they've always wanted to do. And of course there are people like that. I know people like that who, you know, we're talking in sixth grade about how they were gonna join the Air Force but so many other people Yay. are like, I need this to pay for my life. I need yeah. this, I, I have no other option.
1: I very much considered uh, joining the military just so I can get through college.
2: Yeah, if I didn't have such a, such strong opinions and if I wasn't so vocal about those opinions, I, I might have considered joining the National Guard because, you know, money. But. I uh,
0: I tried to join the Air Force, I think I went, but uh, I can't, I'm not allowed to fly planes, so I was out. Um, but um, it was a very strong thing for me at one point, thinking about just the idea of dealing with debt and paying for college, that I considered, well, maybe I'll join the National Guard, or maybe, and then I remember I was reading a book, and they talked about this part where he was talking about no, it was a book. I was listening to a podcast, and they are talking about being on deployment. I said a Bradley showed up one day. Bradley's like a light tank, and there was just a driver inside, and the driver was crying scared. The driver was part of this convoy, and this Bradley had been hit by three separate IEDs. The first time, they, their communication's knocked out. They tried to go forward. Second time, both guys, the commander and the gunner, abandoned it with the rest of the crew. The driver doesn't know that, though, because their radio's knocked out. Third time, gets knocked out. They think he has to be dead. So they move on they don't recover his body they move on driver wakes up hours later in the middle of iraq by himself he'd been abandoned the first the one rule that we've been taught about the military our entire life leave no man behind they did abandon and no officer should have let that happen but that's just they don't care about you the uh, the individual at the end of the day is that they we like and think about that it used to be the troop was the highest thing, but then we realized the troops were average people. So then it had to be the special forces are who we care about. Because that's now who they turn into their heroes. So these special forces. Because the average troop is just an average person, probably will have negative things to say about their military experience. But now we have to go to these special forces guys who we let be cowboys doing whatever the hell they want. I mean, a Goddamn war criminals led off the hook by Donald Trump, given a pardon. Multiple war criminals were. People who executed civilians and hostages. Not host- yeah, hostages, that's what they were. They were civilians they captured and killed.
2: And and here we go back to the same reason that we don't have universal health care, the same reason for for so much of the, the oppressive... Um, you know, tactics used by our government and by people in our society is that America is the nation of the individual. And Donald Trump embodies that. Donald Trump embodies this idea of be in it for yourself and you will succeed and you will become, you know, a rich man, you will own businesses, you could be president if you want to, and you can say whatever you want and no one's going to stop you. And that's the appeal. That's the appeal of Donald Trump is that he justifies all of the things that so many people have been too scared to say and he makes people believe that they too by doing the same things he did by coming out with all of these opinions with all of these you know tactics and ideologies that they can be like him consciously or subconsciously trump supporters want to be like donald trump it's you want it's it's an idolization, you want to be like him. He's on a pedestal for you, and that's what you want.
0: And now we get past the war part of 2020. And 2020 to me kind of was I got really annoyed at the beginning of 2020 because everybody was doing the roaring 20s. It's the 20s again. Guilty. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I know I kind of brought that up on purpose. Um kinds of people in this room that are
2: guilty uh, it really just suck. Uh, Calling us out right now yeah. That's fine <laughs> well, We had fun
0: <laughs> It's not the great Gatsby kids The 20s was a terrible time to be alive
2: It was and it is again So. Well we- I, I, was, I was just
1: happy Because like the 20s Was really cool If you're white um, If you're so, a white
0: man Who made six figures a year Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I was just happy to be able to like Uh experienced the 20s as a brown man he's like you know what
2: yeah as man, a gay if, i was very excited
1: <laughs> man, if, man if only uh people in the 20s weren't fucking awful
2: <laughs> yeah it was it was an aesthetic decision and but. we the, the 20s are happening just not the not the party part <laughs> <laughs>
0: i remember being in screenwriting class and somebody said anybody else hear about this virus and i said yeah it sounds pretty bad and then i remember. A professor I won't name saying it's not as serious as what just happened in Iran. How innocent we all were. Yeah. <laughs> and this no, was a is. very and I'm not going to play. He's not a bad guy for saying that the media in this country played down the virus a lot. And then everyone you start hearing these doors, the stories. you heard, oh, well, it's going here. It's going here. It's going here. And then it started happening in the European countries, the countries where they started really getting concerned because everybody there is
1: Italy
2: because those are first world <laughs> countries and and. We expect them to know how to handle the situation. Like
0: yeah, not China. Not China. The China is American more first world, world than we are. And yes, yeah. they're doing terrible dictatorship stuff.
2: China is a horrible place, but they have their shit together on a lot of levels that the United States does not. And that needs to be uh, recognized.
0: Um but and then you started hearing about the cases in America. At first, it's, it's not that bad. It's the swine flu. Remember the swine flu? The swine flu. I yeah, sorry. Flu. It's a really sorry, bad sorry. flu, yeah. And then a lot of people start dying. And then- But it's
2: screening. not that many, McLean. Remember, more people die from the flu every year than are dying from coronavirus.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> the, 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 My eye the- just hemorrhaged.
0: <laughs> I'm joking.
1: The thing that lends- Credence to, Alessandro, your theory earlier about how Donald Trump was, like, intentionally trying to start a war is when he started calling coronavirus the invisible enemy.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and- I think he got mad that he couldn't turn this into his hero. He, he, he couldn't make this his Abe Lincoln Civil War. He couldn't make this his FDR World War II speech. He's like, well, you know, I'm a wartime president now, but nobody humored him. Like, no, this and is Do it. you
2: know what? If he had actually been... A leader, if he had been presidential about it, this could have been could his have civil been. war. This could have been his, like his, you know, FDR. I like, like,
0: would never like give him said, the dignity to put him on the same level.
2: And as neither Lincoln would I, but, or FDR,
0: because. But in terms of
2: events, like it, this could have been. Right the thing that saved the Trump presidency. It was going to be one or the other. It was going to be the thing that saved it or the thing that damned it. And it At was the, the latter. At the very
0: least, this could have been his 9-11.
2: Right? Yeah. I know
0: and and why Bush got his time that he did.
2: Yeah, you know? and had he not been like, oh, it's going to disappear. Like, it's, it's going to disappear. It's fine. Like, the Chinese virus, the Kung flu, two things he actually called it the things China virus, different.
0: ladies and gentlemen, it's the chi- And also him saying things like flu, China virus, there be- suddenly became a huge anti-Asian sentiment. Yep. Uh, once again, the pendulum swing. And, you know, this is something that has happened a few times, but this was, you know, very first. And I know a lot of, um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts where Asian people themselves said, you know, in America, we aren't, as discriminated as other minorities and we kind of but then this happened and it seemed like we were suddenly once again very hated in this country yeah and i remember hearing stories of like people stop uh, like people get angry with chinese person in the street for the virus and it was that and then the most i think So I'm getting curious to ask everybody this because I think I have a very different perspective on how, but how do you remember the virus becoming a thing that was definitely happening here?
2: So, okay, Um, one of my best friends has been going to college in Italy for the last few years and she's here now. She just finished her senior year, but I was very, very clued in on coronavirus far earlier and, and another good friend of mine was studying abroad there. So it was something that was in my, like, in my, you know, my my field of view, far earlier than you know, someone who probably had no ties to the European countries in which it was it was happening in a very severe way. But I remember cases popping up. I remember it was the West Coast, then it, you know it was Colorado, and then all of a sudden, it's happening over here on the East Coast. And I'm from Massachusetts. Um, I'm 20 minutes south of Boston, and I I remember seeing an article. That likened Boston to the next Italy, in terms of, you know, being just an epicenter of this virus. And that makes sense, because Boston is, you know, a a very diverse um, city, both, you know, not just a, a racial way, but in terms of you know, we have a lot of call, co- it's a college city through and through. So we have people coming from everywhere and it's, it's a spring break city. time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's spring break, you know, scattered throughout, you know, it's a business late city. February, early, mo- or early March, everyone's going in and out. So it makes sense. But, you know, it's it was at that time. And, you know, I, I intern at a, a convention called STN. Um, it changes its location in the US every year. It's national convention, about 3000 students go uh, from everywhere. And we have people from Russia and China who come as well. Um, the, the Chinese had already canceled their, their appearance at the convention. And a lot of, um, a lot of schools were pulling out, um, including my hometown and my, my TV teacher is the contest coordinator of that entire convention. And our fine arts director said, no, you're not going to DC for convention. It's not happening. Um, and then, you know, I, I was in DC for the convention, got there, I was there for about 20 minutes and one of the higher ups came into the room where we were all reuniting with the interns and he said, conventions canceled. So have enjoy these five days in DC, like, you know and this this had been right after that outbreak at the church um, where, where one of the attendees had COVID and spread it to like 500 people. So that was kind of the whole timeline from when it was like from being in my peripherals to like actually impacting my life
1: yeah um i oh you can go
0: for me it's really interesting because i was in the hospital when it started to get really bad um but i remember my because i live in a small ass town i live in a place that doesn't show up on some maps so i remember it was just kind of very like in the back of everybody's mind and then it suddenly became this thing the school started sending emails about it. It kept popping up on the news, and I remember my dad's like, "Well, you know, it's going to be a few weeks, and then it'll blow over." We were treating it like a snowstorm or a hurricane. We got stocked up on food, and I even remember just kind of one thing one moment. I I think I remember is going to the store, not wearing a mask, because I remember it was the last time I was ever in a store not wearing a mask. I just remember waving to somebody stranger, and it was really weird because I could see that person's smile. And as a really weird, the imagery that stuck with me ever since that happened. And yeah. then wow. I had destroyed my leg in a stupid, doing a stupid thing. Um, and then I was in the hospital. And then that's when we got the email that we will not be returning to the campus for the spring semester. And then as I was in the hospital, you, you ever watch a zombie movie? and there's that moment where there's like the moment of panic where everybody's running around cuz like one of the patients just ripped off a doctor's face. It was like that but calm.
1: What? It was do you ever see like the first episode of like the walking dead? Yes, it was very
0: <laughs> it was very much like that. And I hate to be the person comparing it's like a movie, but because I hate I hate it when people do that. Yeah, but it's hard not to do that because it really was. And I remember being this moment where the nurses came in and told my parents, we're going to have to have you leave because it's going to be on a, essentially only anybody asks needs to be in here. And then I remember they, uh, as this was going on, that like nurses started leaving oh, they tested positive they were in contact with. And I remember war, wings of the hospital were being shut down and getting moved around to essentially be safer. It's a miracle I never got infected because I probably would have been screwed if I did because I was in bad shape. Um, like I, I was like out of surgery. So like not exactly you if you just have if you've ever just gone out like a surgery to do with like anything that's like a trauma not, not trauma, but, like, a sudden injury that's, like, needs surgery. You're not in good shape. You feel sick and terrible and weak. And if I had gotten COVID, I, that might have been bad for me. And then I kind of remember just getting home, and I remember healing because I had my leg and spending the whole summer healing. And I think, you know, either way. But then I remember when I healed, and I could finally start walking around again. The disappointment of not being able to go see any of my friends, go do anything, go anywhere. Cause that wasn't the world anymore. We were still in this virus. But then I think the more angry thing was at the end of summer hearing about countries like Australia, New Zealand, even fucking Britain, maintaining some level of normalcy because they had managed it better than we did. Yeah. Um... And then uh, Tyler, go ahead and tell us about your experience, and then yeah, we'll talk so
1: about the I, big chapter. I, I remember because we were still at school um, when it was starting to go down, and especially like in Italy, where we had friends like studying abroad, and they're just like tr- they're just like panicking, trying to get home because it's getting really bad in Italy, and like, oh, this is like scary now. Um, but at that point, we didn't have re- we really didn't have any cases in the united states but then i'm like okay china is where it started obviously it's going to be pretty bad there and then italy was kind of just caught off guard by surprise now because they didn't expect it to come over there and then now they're absolutely being devastated so we in theory united states should be prepared for this right (laughs) like we should be ready we should have uh precautions in place so when i saw one two cases popping up in the united states i'm like all right contact trace those people it'll be fine and it was far from fine because we dropped the ball hard um one of the last times we threw
2: the ball away (laughs) we said bye i
0: i remember um I want. You to know the- what we did. You ever see uh, like an old Three Stooges movie where all three of them go for the ball at the same time and they bump into each other and end <laughs> the way and the ball lands dead sir? That's what we did. Um, <laughs> that is America.
1: I am I'm, I'm from uh, New York City, so for a while our my city was the worst in the world. So um, it was a period of time where people in New York City are just dropping like flies, and it was it was devastating to be. Uh, around but I remember the last time I went to the city like before wearing masks was a normal thing and um I was just I was just gonna meet up with some friends we were having a good time but I remember on the train heading into Manhattan uh I there was a dude like across on the other side um he's just coughing and I like this is before anyone's wearing masks but I'm just like uh no I'm not dealing with this And I had a bottle of hand sanitizer. I was ready, like every single thing I touched. But this is before anything was closed. Everything I touched was like, I got I got to sanitize everything. And then very soon after that is when everything started going south. Started going south. And I wasn't very personally affected by it. Like I didn't really know many people um, who had uh Corona, but um somebody in my family. Uh, had a stroke and he passed away because the hospitals were not safe to go to. So that was, that's the inadvertent effect of um, Corona there. And um, it was, it was like so depressing knowing how little aid that New York was getting from the federal government, even though New York is supposed to be like one of the crowning achievements of America and it was just like you're really gonna. The federal government's really gonna leave us behind right now while people are literally dying. And then you have Donald Trump on TV saying it's gonna. We'll we'll be fine by April. will you'll be able to go to church on, um, for Easter, and shit like that. I'm like, no, you're fucking wrong. People are dying every single day. You can't just. It's not gonna. Uh, just because it got hot, it's just not just gonna go away.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that. We had the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and I'm not gonna harp on this part too much because we covered a lot of the racism of this presidency, but we saw him support a police force under what he called law and order, which is a classic fascist nomenclature for basically saying, yeah, no, I want total control and I'm okay with this abuse of power. And we saw police beat up American citizens every day Mm-hmm. And we saw military grade weapons used on American citizens every day. Um, and some weapons that are banned in war. So, yeah. I mean, take that as you will, you are less than how they think of the enemy in war.
2: Um, um, and it, it's so, I think, prevalent how that coincides with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I went to several protests in Boston and in Providence, Rhode Island, Um Black Lives Matter protests and everyone there was wearing a mask. Um, that needs to be recognized. Um, I had you know my mask on and I had every protest I had these two uh, pairs of lab goggles that I brought with me um, in case we got maced or tear gassed. Um,
0: You're gonna because, need something more heavy duty for tear gas. I um, mean
2: it, anything, <laughs> anything helps.
0: Anything you know? helps?
2: Um, that will help you run it, away. but Particularly, um, you know, for people, I, I didn't bring it for myself, more so for people who I knew would be more likely to get targeted um, in those situations. It, anything helps, you know, we, we had water bottles with holes poked in the top, um, you know, things like that. And the evil, and yes, I'm using that word of any group that, you know, first of all, has the authority in a situation. Second of all, is at fault for mass suffering that chooses to use weapons like mace and tear gas during a global pandemic that is ravaging our country, a pandemic that predominantly attacks the lungs and a person's ability to breathe. People die Choking on their own bile, choking on the air they're trying to breathe from coronavirus because of the way that it attacks their immune system. And those are your weapons of choice, things that target the way that you breathe. There is an extra level of evil in that. And I don't care if anyone is going to try to say, oh, that's just what they use. No, no. No, I it's think, it's deliberate.
0: I think the picture that will stick with me from that protest was a picture of a child wearing a Batman costume on the shoulder of their father being met by uh, by a police officer pointing a grenade a grenade launcher at the child. A child wearing a Batman and it's and then this leads into my next part. This would all come together we'd have our election. At the election, who won, ladies and gentlemen?
2: Joe Biden.
0: Joseph R. Biden. Joseph Robinette Biden. Robinette.
2: Oh, my God.
1: You didn't know that was his middle name?
2: No, I assumed it was like Robert.
1: (laughs) No, it's Robinette.
2: (laughs) I don't care enough about Joe Biden to find out what the R stands for. I just
0: thought that's funny. Um, And Trump had been saying that he wouldn't accept the win. And then we saw the coming to light of things like QAnon. Because QAnon could have been ignored before this point, I'd say, pretty easily. Because QAnon, they only had one or two terrorist attacks linked to them. You know, that's
2: In the U.S., that's a small number.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, it, they're lone wolves. They're wo- lone wolves working as a part of a large pack of people, but they're lone wolves. Um. And they started saying there will be this storm that will, uh, we will execute all the Democrats. And flash forward to January 6th. January 6th, the Capitol was stormed. They did not kill, thank God, they did not kill any of the politicians there. because.
2: But they planned to, and, and that needs to be... They
0: killed a police officer while doing so. A woman was shot in the throat. Another man was tasered himself to death when he accidentally tasered his testicles. A woman was trampled to death wearing a don't tread on me flag. <laughs> Another man committed suicide after the events. And that is what their president got them. The moment of violence where we saw the police do nothing because...
2: No, the police did something. They opened the gates on video, they, opened yeah. the gates, ushered I, people I, I in. Took
0: selfies. With I'm not phone the phone. defend the police guy, but that first video that came out, they were actually... I, I will say this. The police could have done more, but they were trying to put them into like an overflow. Have you ever been at a concert? They'll have these overflow zones
2: Mm-hmm. that's
0: what they were trying to do they didn't do it properly so they basically end up laying everybody in but one round of tear gas one round of pepper uh pepper balls from paintball guns would have ended that all nobody needed to die and you know what i i've heard a lot of people i've people i know and people i'm friends will say that woman deserved to die but she didn't need to die
2: no no she didn't and um, I, I think it's important to say that like while there are circumstances where you can say a act of violence leading to death was warranted or justified or whatever, that's never what you want. I mean, I I am a person who is in favor of the abolition of the death penalty. I don't care what you did. I don't think that anyone has the authority to kill you. No one should die. Was she doing something where the use of you know, force that led to death was to an extent justified. Yes, you are participating in a coup d'etat. You are trying to overthrow the government, to kidnap government officials, to kill government officials. You are you are participating in an insurrection. It should have been expected by those people that it was a possibility. But no, she should not have died. You're absolutely right.
0: Um, and then this brings the end of the Trump presidency on gen- um- january 20th christ this feels like it was years years and years literally this week <laughs> like um, three days ago i remember my dad and i were driving and i just said to him hey remember three years ago when we voted for joe biden and he won yeah that was cool um and it was literally like two weeks after we the election was confirmed um and uh i was the and the military is now currently occupying national guard is occupying washington dc because of the threat people have been getting arrested across the country some being released some probably not
2: yeah i just and, uh i got a newsstand notification that said the justice department and fbi debate not charging some of the rioters i'll be looking into that later because I, I all of this, them should be charged in jail I,
0: I don't think absolutely everybody there who is charged the people who are provoking things, the guy, like the guy with the zip ties, that should definitely be tried and never see the light of day. But there are some people there, who I think. Who had don't no- need jail, but rehabilitation that is not of our prison. System. I
2: mean that we don't have a rehabilitation system in this country. No, so we you have give a- those people the next best thing, which is keeping them away because those people are a danger to the American public drug dealers, people who smoke weed, like you're giving them life and you're gonna let these people who try to overthrow the government go, absolutely bonkers to me. I don't like,
0: agree with the, uh, the fact that people should do drugs. I don't agree with people who drill drugs, but I can say this by far, they're far less of a threat to me than any of those people at the capital were.
2: Oh, 100%, 100%. Um,
0: and then this leads me to the last part I'm gonna bring up is what happens now? Because uh, we are in a part of politics where it seems the right is divided between the pro Trump and anti Trump party. And there's talks of them breaking off into the Patriot Party who is linked directly to the Charlottesville riots or attack or whatever. So the, the
2: Nazi party and, and, yeah, and the and Nazi Republican light party. party. Yeah.
0: <laughs> diet diet fascism <laughs> or full fascism. Anti Antifa. Yeah. Yeah. Anti anti but that divide me now divide them fraction (laughs) yep the the number babe (laughs) um and holocaust and it seems like some of the right is going full holocaust nile mask off with their beliefs
2: oh for sure because that pokes holes in their ideologies
0: it seems like every Republican who's stuck with Trump, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Matt Gates, is trying to gun to be the next Trump for the election. I don't and none think of any- them will be. No. Ted Cruz is a man who's so hated by everybody.
2: No one likes Ted Cruz. His, ro-
0: his roommate said, if Ted Cruz had every single belief I did, if he was a Democrat, etc., I would only hate him 1% less than I do right now
2: um i mean i just uh, that man like let donald trump like come for his neck come for his wife's neck his family and then said yeah like i'll overthrow the government for you daddy like sure (laughs) what Um, what also
0: lindsey graham once said that if somebody were to kill ted cruz in the senate and you held the trial of the murder in the senate and the senate voted on it they would probably get a pardon
2: leave it to texas Texas is going to go blue over the course of the next couple of years. That's, oh, yeah, one have- that's, that is- that's one thing that's that is one thing coming, I will say. Yeah,
0: and I, the exodus of the right wing public figures from California is interesting to me, such as Elon Musk and Joe Rogan moving to, um, and Elon Musk isn't, he's just whoever's going to give him money. He's going to try to cling to the Democratic Party now at least um, publicly ben shapiro said he's uprooted from california and now is putting his uh company in nashville and plans on producing yeah, right ben shapiro movies. can be
2: uprooted from planet earth as far as i'm concerned <laughs> i don't really care what he does
0: ben shapiro's a little man i'm sure if the three of us got together we can like yeet him to some other country i would love oh, that God. we'll just shove him a locker and slingshot him hypothetically,
1: we remove ben shapiro from power and shove <laughs> him over there
0: I just want you to know, Ben Shapiro thinks we're all anti-Semitic for making fun of him now.
2: Three, three Jewish people sitting <laughs> sitting in a podcast.
0: Well, like, kind of two and a quarter Jewish people. Two and a
2: quarter Jewish
0: people. Two and a half Jews. <laughs>
2: Jews, Jews.
0: Well, we, I'm sure because we all are related people who voted for <laughs> Obama, we're not true Jewish people.
2: Oh yeah, no, can't <laughs> possibly. People, people who recognize, uh, you know the. That Israel is committing. And to.
0: yeah, so it seems like the right is collapsing on itself. Not to say there's not still threat. The left is seeming hope, Left and the Democratic Party are seeming hopeful.
2: I mean, in all honesty, I have no hope for the Democratic Party. I think that the Democratic Party is a group of spineless normies um, <laughs> who, <laughs> who want only normalcy, who want centrism, and centrism is fictional. And here's why it's because centrism is not a set of beliefs it's a position on a scale that changes constantly and where we are pushing further right where we have been pushing further right for years and years and years in this country centrism centrists are just what republicans were 20 years ago
0: in any other country our democratic party would be their right wing
2: right like aoc who is like socialist like like leftist scum she's a like, whatever. Chinese communist <laughs> she in in you know most other like you know liberal countries is a centrist and that's yeah. not to say all oh, like AOC so I, I I totally dig AOC and I think that she gets a lot of hate from leftists that she doesn't deserve and even more hate from everyone else that she doesn't deserve I'm
0: not a socialist I will say this I'm a progressive populist I want what's in favor of the majority of the country. There are things on socialist and socialist views I disagree with, you know, we could talk about second amendment debate about that all day. Um, I don't believe certain aspects of education should be free for everybody. But at the end of the day, I want people to not starve, have a place to sleep, and be okay if they ever injure themselves. And the fact
2: that there's people that disagree with you is so shocking and so gross. Like I I had a conversation and I won't say who it was with, but I was talking to a friend of mine um, last year, maybe freshman year about raising the minimum wage. And she was talking about how she doesn't think that everyone deserves to be paid a living wage. And I was like, you work at a grocery store. And she was like, well, yeah, but I'm like 19. So I,
0: different. I had, so I posted something on Snapchat about how Amazon's trying to get rid of unions. And the first person to message me was a former roommate of mine who shall remain unknown. who said, I, we, Amazon, I work for Amazon. We don't need new unions. He would only hurt us. He's the son of a millionaire. <laughs> Literally.
2: I worked for Amazon and the guilt was too much. So I left. <laughs> I was like, $15 an hour is so good, but I can't do it. I can't. I
0: applied, but they wouldn't take because I was broken. Of um, Yeah. Yeah, it turns to out anyone he, To
2: anyone considering being an Amazon shopper, just get Instacart instead. It's not worth selling your soul to Jeff Bezos. Yeah,
0: the problem is when you live in a place that's near absolutely nothing, you have to compromise with true. evil sometimes. So true. yeah, you know, forgiveness if you have to, but also- yeah. man, um, no judgment, so we're but, uh, wrapping up here. This was a good venting. Oh yeah. We will continue with our normally restored history programs. But before we go, we do our questions, and this week's question is a fun one, at least for me, because I kind of already enjoy doing this. To our guest, Tyler, my faithful co-host, if you could, re- if you were to be a reenactor for any time period, whether it be civilian or military. Which time period would you two choose?
1: Oh, that's an easy one. It would be so dope to be one of the fucking elephant riders on Hannibal's army coming (laughs) up the Second Punic War down Italy over there. That would be awful because so many many Carthaginians died uh, from the cold and on the way to Italy, so, like, it was pretty shit, but, like, once they got over there, and they are stomping all over the fucking, all over the place, that's, like,
0: the ultimate power fantasy, it's probably pretty cool. (laughs) I also like that, because most, like, cavalry reenactors have to own their own horses, so that implies you now own an elephant, Tyler. (laughs) Yes, that's another thing that's absolutely dope. (laughs)
2: How
0: about you, Alessandra?
2: So, I will not lie to y'all. The first thought that came into my head was, well, which authentic outfits do I want to wear? <laughs>
0: <laughs> True. You are at a, a terrible disadvantage. I know.
2: Because I I, I, <laughs> the first, like, I, as a kid, I, I grew up going to King Richard's Fair all the time, and I I used to want the, the medieval dresses and the flower crowns. They were so pretty. Um, but I do very much have a, a fascination with... Um, ancient history it's my favorite favorite kind of history (laughs) partially because it's the least problematic I don't know Um, about that (laughs) I I would say that it is um especially in terms Hmm, of all Spartans were
0: pedophiles just gonna say that
2: well no I'm talking like even further back (laughs) like like even further um but I I will say that I would be very interested to participate in any any ancient Greek or ancient Roman activity because of the um, the more, not politically but socially um, liberal kind of aspects of the way that like society was constructed in the sense that like in ancient Rome there were gay people and it was fine. so like if i could go like be gay in ancient rome like for the sake of a reenactment and wear like gold and shit like that would would be
1: cool but i wouldn't really go. yeah i
2: am also a woman but like we're reenacting we're not going back in time tyler (laughs) (laughs) women did have a significant amount of
0: power in rome and
2: yeah it depends um, on which rome you're looking at yeah
0: i mean yeah because rome did go through some phases for me i i i'm a i've kind of began into civil war, but I'm thinking about, personally, I'm actually saying this because I'm thinking about changing. I think uh, I'm going to be British soon for the revolutionary maybe because uh, mm-hmm. more comfortable. But uh, for me, if I could choose anyone, as terrible as it is as an event, but World War One just seems so interesting to me.
2: But yeah, I mean- are shooting it, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, what do you want to learn about? I'm always down to learn about something. What I am
0: jealous of and other countries have it, and particularly, is like, I would love to do like the medieval combat stuff. Oh, yeah, that'd be so fun. Um, but I also know me and I see that's a hospital trip every week for me. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, for sure. <laughs> so, but like, it, yeah, but thank you for appearing on this podcast. We'll yeah, be back absolutely. next week, I have folks.
2: Fun. <laughs>